1: in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania and um, we're about to uh, go embark on part two of our podcast about spirituality because I'm here with my dear friend and colleague and brilliant therapist and wonderful mother of dogs (laughs) 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 she has the best dogs Uh, my friend Chris
0: you say I'm Christine Heath yeah I'm coming to you from Hawaii and um I am lucky enough to be a spiritual sister with Judy (laughs) Sedgman. We we just did a class together, and uh, one of the the feedback we got from um, one of the participants was how well we work together and how much what we do really kind of brings people into a feeling. So what a sweet comment it was, and that's exactly what we hope we can do for everyone. That's true.
1: Our our most recent podcast was about uh, the nature of spirituality versus being spiritual versus saying I'm spiritual. You know, thinking of spirituality as a place to get to or a a behavior because uh, we are spiritual. Spiritual spirituality is at the essence of life. And as we were doing it, I was thinking it's so... um, so many forms spirituality has taken so many forms in the world you know there's people that teach it there's religions that you know make a big deal about this is the kind of behaviors that you do if you're a truly spiritual person um there's you know uh all kinds of organizations that say they're organized around you know spiritual health and and so we always think of it as a as a go-to We have a tendency to say, okay, I'm going to have to nurture my spirituality or go in the direction of, you know, studying spirituality. And, you know, I used to, when I was a kid, I used to read a lot of spiritual books thinking, the answer's got to be there somewhere. But it was just all the intellect talking, you know, about about spirituality. And the experience of spirituality is is a real, in the moment, absolute, deep, incredible feeling that we get and we know we know right then regardless of you know where we are or what we're doing at the time we have that feeling we know oh yeah this is this is really this is the this is the essence this is the heart of it this is the energy behind it this is the moment that I start to see how beautiful and how perfect and how incredible life is and so we, everybody can relate to that. Everybody's had moments like that. A lot of people can go all the way back to their childhood and remember sitting under a tree and, um, you know, looking up and thinking, oh, wow, you know. Now, you, you can't live in those moments every minute of your life, but you can live with that feeling every minute of your life. You know, it's not like Every life is, as Sid always said, is a contact sport. And we all have ups and downs and we have good days and bad days and we have problems to solve and days when everything goes right. But from the, from the awareness that it's okay, that, you know, it's, it, life is in the long run is just the perfect expression of, of the energy of life taking form through our thoughts. And when our thoughts are um, are beautiful, the experience we have is beautiful. And when our thoughts are troubled, the experience we have is troubled. But it's all just the energy of life taking form through our thoughts. And on a deeper level, life itself is the divine energy in all the all of the miraculous forms that it takes. And I remember one time I was, I was at an aquarium. I was in Long Beach, California, and I can't remember why I went to this aquarium, but I was at an aquarium. And they had this little tank with a beautiful seahorse in it. And seahorses are interesting little creatures anyway, but this one was so beautiful. It had this kind of filmy, like fins, you know, and it, and it was sort of a very pale color. And it was, it was like ghost-like, but gorgeous. And it was just sort of floating through the tank. And I remember just getting so touched at how something tiny could be so beautiful and have so many special little parts to it, you know, that you could see its little eyes and its little feet and its little, it was just so beautiful. Just thinking about it makes me want to cry. And I remember thinking like, aren't we lucky that we live in a world in which there are things like that for us to look at? That somehow all of this creation is or that we're, that we're just a part of, we're part of the dance of all of life, that when we really look, we see things that are just so profoundly gorgeous, like just looking into the flower, a flower that's in bloom, and you start to see the depth of the flower and the color and the oh it's you know, you just think, this is like a miracle, you know, even insects you know i'm not into insects but i have to say there are some very beautiful insects beautiful yeah and frogs and you know everything is beautiful when you really start to look at it and you think well that i'm just a part of this and it's nothing special we're we're no more special than our pets mm-hmm. or you know the horses in the field or the pigs in the in the woods you know <laughs> we're just uh living creatures fulfilling our destiny um, in the form that we've taken and fortunately as human beings we have the ability to see that and I don't know there could be other creatures that see it too and we just can't talk to them but I don't know that but I know that as we have the ability as human beings to see our see that what's at the source of life mm-hmm. to see it and feel it and that is an incredible gift. But once you see it, you look around, it's sort of like seeing all the beauty in life. You see the beauty in people, regardless of their circumstances and regardless of the state of mind they're in at the moment. You see that it's just that divine energy flowing through them, only their thinking determines what form it takes. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, um and in Quest of the Pearl, the reason this is on my mind is because Judy, Judy and I did this class on mm-hmm. Second Chance and in Quest of the Pearl. But I was so taken aback by how much was in this book that I'd never read before. Mm-hmm. And it, what, what hit me about it is that he said that um, all life is of spiritual essence, whether it is in form or formless. When this spiritual essence takes form, we call it nature. This form we call nature has infinite separate realities, each reality being a fact to its observer. Mm-hmm. For example, the way you see life is your reality, therefore, we both see and live in separate realities. Now, psychology was actually onto this. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, when when it was first started, because the word psychology means study of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so people must have seen that there's the spirit living its life in this form that we call a body. And that's what they started to study. But somewhere along the line, in the 1900s, we got caught up in the behaviors of people. And in the diagnosing of what's wrong with people mm-hmm. and, and stop studying the way the spirit moves through us, mm-hmm. the way the spirit creates experience in us. Mm-hmm. And that's what, why we call this psychology as a backwards, because we're, we've been studying what people create from this incredible life force instead of looking at how that spirit of life, the energy of life, that um, that power that we have inside to create comes through us. Mm-hmm. And when we see that, we understand the psychological. But when you're totally focused on the psychological part and you're analyzing and trying to figure it out, you'll notice how the DSM, DSM which is now on five, oh, five. or yeah. something five. and it's it has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger each year like we're, we're just having more and more things that we're diagnosing but mm-hmm. it's really just looking at how people innocently use the gift of thought in ways that are similar mm-hmm. and so they create similar experiences and we mm-hmm. call that a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Right. So, in doing that, we lost the feeling, which is why when I started studying psychology, I knew there was something missing. There was something intangible missing, and I couldn't see what it was. Mm-hmm. And that to me is like that is a- awakening to the spiritual nature of human beings, then informs how we see psychology differently. Mm-hmm. I know there's a a whole school of, in graduate school called spiritual psychology. There's a journal of spiritual psychology, which Judy's gotten articles published in. And, um, you know, but psychology already means a study of the spirit. So now you've got a spiritual study of the spirit. Um, (laughs) So, you know, it's just too much thinking about it again. But that's what happened with psychology is that you can't think about the spirit. You have to quiet down to see it, mm-hmm. to see how it moves through you, to see how it's creating experience, to see how it creates the ability to, to think and how it makes thoughts come to life.
1: You know, when when psychology became a, a study, which was at the turn of the century, 19th, 20th century, uh, the 1900s, it was really um, <clears throat> focused on the the being in life. But the problem is, um, and it kind of fell into the realm of, uh, of religion in people's minds, you know, and, it, and they couldn't get it into an academic environment unless it, there was something measurable. Well, the only thing measurable is behavior. But behaviors way after the fact. And so a person has, you know, to have the energy of life flowing through them and to create thoughts and then act on those thoughts and then act on those thoughts habitually before you get to what's measurable. But at that point, then uh, it switched, you know, the attention focus away from the human spirit and the energy of life towards human behaviors. And it really switched from looking for a wisdom and understanding deeper than our thoughts to studying the intellect as it studied people. <laughs> and it actually the, the first thing that happened and it became behavioral psychology. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting thing to me about that is that once you do that and systematize something, people get very interested in their own behavior. You know, so like there's almost an epidemic now of kids in high school that are seeing therapists and, you know, depression and anxiety and all of these things. Now, I'm not saying that these kids aren't experiencing it. I'm not denying their experience, but I'm saying part of their experience is the fact that it's out there, that this is a part of growing up and everybody is prone to it in the teenage years and it becomes a thing, you know, so you have a bad day and you think, oh, my God, I've got anxiety. And then you get anxious about having anxiety <laughs> instead of going, like, I had a bad day, but tomorrow will be better, you know. And the things that, um, you know, I remember my Aunt Mary, who used to babysit for me a lot when I was a little kid. She was older than my dad. She um, she was she was a really cool lady. And um, and she used to, every time you would come to her with a problem, she'd say, well, you know, go do something else for a while, and then you'll see an answer and you'll get over it. Now it's just the wisdom and she had no training at all. She wasn't even educated. She dropped out of school to earn a living. And, uh, but you know, she knew she had common sense about kids and humanity. So she said, well, I'm not going to sit there and talk to you about your problems because if if you do something else, it won't be a problem anymore. (laughs) And, um, and I, I think that that's really where, where we've kind of gone astray is we've, we've categorized things so we can measure them. And in measuring them, we've made them more important rather than life uh, ways of seeing things in the moment that change. And I'm not saying there aren't people that need help either. So don't, don't take it that way because there are people that are you know into um, habitual thinking that's really gotten them kind of mired down. And they definitely deserve and need help. But we can't think of the human race as flawed. You know, you can't be looking for the flaws, looking for the, for the bad things, looking for what's wrong with everybody. Because really, um, we come into life with everything we need to self-right. And that is that spiritual power that we have to think again, to think differently but we don't know it anymore because we we've gotten caught up in the intellectual examination of our behavior.
0: And, you know, the more we do it, the more we see it, right. Mm-hmm. That's why that book keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like so <laughs> overwhelming as a therapist, you know, you're supposed to read the dang thing and understand each diagnosis. And to me, it's like, how is this different from that? You know, because <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're looking at it from such a different angle that they're looking to fix what's wrong with people mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with people. It's just that they don't understand how that particular experience is being generated. I just, in fact, I was just listening to a woman who's a neuro something neuroplasticity brain mm-hmm. person. I don't know. If she's a psychologist. Or not. I don't believe so, but, um, She was talking about what they're discovering in terms of the cells and how it creates what we see. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like people think that you see things with your eyes, but you actually don't. Because the picture on the back of your eyeball is upside down, jiggles, has holes in it, and is blurred. And so your brain then goes, brings it into focus and probably messes with it a little bit with whatever memories you have about whatever you're looking at. Mm-hmm. So that becomes what you see, but we think we're seeing the outside world as it is, but we're not really. We're seeing what our brain makes of those images in the back of the eye. Well, what they're discovering about people that have psychosis is that there's a way that the, um, the cells function differently and create kind of a double exposure on life. And I had to laugh when she said that because I thought, oh, that's what I've been saying about that all these years. Because that <laughs> makes sense to me that you, you're creating one reality through your thought. And then your brain kind of messes with it a little bit and creates a, another one on top of it. So you mm-hmm. see things that aren't there or you get caught up in experiences or thoughts in different ways. Anyway, it's very fascinating. Now to me, that's fascinating because I already understand how the principles work. Because then I can say, like, oh, if somebody has this, I can talk about this, and they can see that the spiritual part of them is not what their brain is doing. Right. And that will allow them to let go of that hallucination and not feel like they're stuck with it or it's an entity creating it or that they're mentally ill and it's creating this crazy stuff and they have nothing to do about it. hmm But that's kind of what happens is like as as we discover things, it supports what we've been telling people for years. And yet the field of psychology is still so focused outside in, they can't even see how to use that as a way to help people to find their health.
1: Yeah, well, that's not really the goal, is it? It's not so much find your health as, as solve your problem and take medicine for it if it's going to be persistent. Yeah, because the people you take problems seriously. And you know I think one of the things that's really nice about understanding the spiritual essence of life, that you know that we're all just part of the natural evolution of life. and it, it's humbling and it, and it also takes all the specialness out of your problems. Mm-hmm. You know it's like it becomes kind of somebody asked me recently, a client asked me, well, I've never seen you in a bad mood. Are you ever in a bad mood? And I said, Yeah, sure. I'm in. I'm like everybody else. I'm. I create the <laughs> my experience or my thinking. And they said, Well, how come that we haven't seen you in a bad mood? And I said, Because I don't take it seriously. When I'm in a bad mood, I know it's how I'm using my thinking against myself, and that quiet is the answer. Yeah. So I didn't know that for a long time, and I could be in a bad mood for a week. You know. Yeah before I got distracted from it. But I said, now I just realize I don't want to feel this way. And the only reason I feel this way is somehow I've gotten caught up in some thinking and I get quiet. I take a little walk or I, you know, turn on some music or pick up a book of poetry or do whatever I do. And my mind quiets down and then I'm not in a bad mood anymore. Mm -hmm. Now, anybody can do that. It's not rocket science. But to do that, you have to have faith that we are self-writing, that we have a spiritual core of beauty and wellness and innate goodness within us that we can go back to. And it's not the form. It's not in form. It's the energy that lets us create form. Mm -hmm. That's what gives us a chance to create again.
0: And you can kind of see how people, when they don't understand uh, from a, a spiritual place, how it works, mm-hmm. they get caught up in the thinking about how it works. So, mm-hmm. like, um, if you're a religious person, and that's a, the version of spirituality that you're you're familiar with uh, in your spiritual teachings, the teacher might have said, um, "Like, I was born up, I was brought up as a as a Christian, and so I remember reading." In the New Testament, where Christ said, He said, "The kingdom of God is within. Look within." Mm-hmm. And then that became like that. I remember reading that and going, "Oh, it's within." But what do you mean within? I started thinking about it, right? Mm-hmm. And then the religion would then tell you, "But yeah, but you have to do this and this and this in order to enter the kingdom of God." Yeah, you know. And I'm like, "Well, wait a minute. That doesn't. That doesn't fit." And so that's what happens when we don't see the principle underneath it mm-hmm. is that we, we get bursts of insight. We get bursts of truth. Mm-hmm. And then we start thinking about it. and We make up all this other stuff and that gets contaminated. Then that that spiritual truth gets contaminated. Mm-hmm. So don't think about it too. Now, if you're learning the principles, be careful. It's another thing, you know, it's like the, the three principles world. You can get caught up contaminating The true spiritual nature of yourself by trying to stop your thinking or manage your thinking or um, be spiritual, be spiritual, right? And thinking that that means you're always in a happy mood when you're not, and then beat yourself up because you're not. That's just all that old thinking, right? It's like if you just see this is how life is created, it's not a big deal because it's the same for everybody. Yeah. But what's a big deal about it is that we've never seen it before. We never had that opportunity to see it that deeply before.
1: That's that's um that's beautiful, Chris. That's kind of a that's a beautiful way to end, you know, that when you see it deeply for yourself, you're free. You're free to be you. Yeah. And, you know, you have moods and you have moments and you know you're fine no matter what and you can always go back you can always go before thought and when you get to that very deep quiet that's before thought you you self-right
0: that's right and and that's the real you mm-hmm. all of the things that you have been doing because you got caught up in your thinking mm-hmm. or all the problems that you've had or all the god-awful experiences you've generated is just the power of our ability to create that Mm -hmm. so once you start to catch on like oh this is coming from me the good the bad and the ugly you can then start to do something about that right but getting into trying to manage it or change it or do it that's too late already that's you thinking that's the psychological Stay out of the psychological, go to the feeling, go to the spiritual, then you'll understand the psychological.
1: Right.
0: And it'll make sense to you, and
1: it'll help you that way. Because if you do get caught up in your thinking, you know what's going on. Right. Yeah. That's the the key, isn't it? It's kind of like catching on and knowing it's no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we hope this has been helpful, and we always welcome questions and comments. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do it through the podcast website. And um, we hope you find peace and happiness in a beautiful, joyful life.
0: Enjoy, enjoy your life. It's a gift. Aloha. Aloha. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com.